Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for this beautiful late fall day. The Christmas of the air reminds us of the season that we are in, this wonderful Advent season where we take time to prepare our hearts and our minds for the Christmas season. Lord, speak to us in this day. Lord, give us insight. Give us direction. Lord, help us to focus on the things that matter. Lord, be with those that could not be with us in this day, those who find themselves perhaps on sickbeds or caring for the sick. Lord, be with those wherever truth is preached, that we pray that it might go forth with clarity, with purpose. And Lord, be with each soul that will be hearing the truth. We pray, Lord, that in this place and throughout the world where truth is taught, that we might all be doers of thy word and not hearers only. So, Lord, be with us, speak to us, deal with thy servant in a way that seemeth good unto thee, and we will thank thee and praise thee for all this, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Dear ones, this is the second Sunday in in Advent, which is uh, the topic for today is the Advent of Peace. That's what the second Sunday in Advent is. is, is supposed to focus on. And as I thought about that and I, and I looked through some, some documents that I had, of course, the one verse that comes to mind immediately when you think of the, the topic of, of Christmas and, and the advent of peace would be Isaiah 9, 6. And I'd just like to read that verse quickly. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. As I pondered on that, I was led to Ephesians chapter 2. So with the Lord's help, I'd like to read that entire chapter. Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning with verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he loved us, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus." For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope 
without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of, by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more foreigners, strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. The entire second chapter of the book of Ephesians. Dear ones, I'm sure you, you all know, those of you that know me, know that I often refer to the Christmas season as the most wonderful time of the year. I have a favorite Christmas story. It's the epic story written by Charles Dickens in the mid-1800s, A Christmas Carol. And recently, in fact, it was, it was just this morning that I, I, I ran a quick errand and I, I finished listening to that book, read by the great-grandson of Charles Dickens. And what was amazing as I, as I listened, so when you can just listen, and you're not even worried about finding words, you're not worried about seeing images, when you're just listening, the, in, the inflection and the, the feeling that this great-grandson put into his great-grandfather's work was amazing. And what struck me was the, the absence of peace in Scrooge. The absence of purpose in Scrooge. The sad hopelessness of this man. And something that I never realized was that in the book, when Marley visits Scrooge, Marley says, had I followed the light of the star that led the wise men to Bethlehem, I would have seen the needs of everyone around me. Such deep spiritual truths are, and what really got me, what got me thinking about I, I need to get into the original work was I have a, I have a, a devotional that I think Bethany had, had, had put me onto where this, this writer really has 25 devotional days based on that work. And she views it as truly a work of transformation, of Christ coming into a man and a man being reborn. But for us to be reborn, we need to see what we haven't seen. 
We have to see the despicable, lonely, helpless place where we're really at. And this chapter talks about that. When it talks about us being without Christ, aliens, controlled by the prince of this world, without hope and without peace. Something interesting that I and I just discovered it during Bible class is I, I have a Strong's um, built on top of my my King James version in my iPad and I clicked on the word peace. The word peace, as the Apostle Paul uses in this chapter, is not the same word that Isaiah used when he said Prince of Peace. When Isaiah talked about the Prince of Peace, it was just about a feeling. The peace as it's used in this chapter that the Apostle Paul is using is only found in the New Testament. It's not found in the Old Testament. And it's, and it's I had a little bit of a discrepancy. One I see 89 times, another one I see like 85 times. It's only used in the New Testament. And what it really talks about is um, it, it, it's um, a drawing together, a joining together of something. It's not a feeling. It's bringing together God and man. Think about that. So think about the second Sunday in Advent, the Advent of peace. And what really struck me is it's not a feeling. And that is so amazing, dear ones. Is it not amazing that the peace that we're talking about is not a feeling? Feelings are fleeting. You can feel something one minute and it can be gone the next. I can feel happy when, when I see something that, that stirs my heart. But then the real world hits again. And I realize that perhaps it's an ache or a pain or the loss of a loved one. Or the sad state of affairs in our community. With so many, so, so poor, so hungry. One of the things that Charles Dickens was so appalled by was the fact that there was so much need, so much want in the old city, and yet few saw it. We have so much need, so much want in the old city. Do we see it? Or do we drive through quickly? And you, hath he quickened? We're dead in trespasses and sins. Dear ones, we have been made alive. Quickened means to be made alive. We were dead. Now we're alive. Who did it? He did it. We didn't do it. We came. We availed ourselves of this free gift called grace. We surrendered our will to the Holy Spirit. And he transformed our mind and our heart. Think about this in verse 2. Where and in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's what Dickens was writing about that Scrooge's problem was. 
among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And then I love verse 4, but God. We were there, but, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. It's not works. It's not me somehow measuring up. It's not a list of things that I can do. It's not a a level of donations that I can give. Are Are those things that we do and those things that we give completely separate? No, it's not separated from it, but it's like getting the cart before the horse. There are fruits of repentance. There There is the fruit of the Spirit within us that naturally should cause us to have eyes that are open to the needs of others, to have wallets that are open, not hoarding things to ourselves, but sharing abundantly as as the Lord has blessed us with others. That will come, but that's not why. We don't do it so that somehow we get this relationship with God. And it's raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're not just saved. We are made to sit in heavenly places with Christ. Eternal life begins here. Brother Uli mentioned it in the Bible class where the Spirit tells us what we should say, what we should do, how we should do it, how we should answer people. We have, and, and what, what I love about the fact of the, that, that this piece is different is when we go from the old to the new, everything changed. In the past, the Spirit could be upon people. In the past, angels would speak to people, visit people. But we are the temple of the Holy Spirit today. He dwells within us. The same spirit that motivated Jesus, the same spirit that guided Jesus, the same spirit that allowed Jesus to live a sinful life on this earth is available to us. That is beyond human comprehension. But it is not beyond human feeling. And every truly reborn person understands what I just said. When we can all of a sudden look at our life and see the power of the Spirit living out within us. Sometimes, and I've had people challenge our our position on conversion, and and you've heard me talk about it, but one of the reasons why I really believe that we have the right path, the right approach on conversion, and when we determine to baptize a person is after that person can testify of the power of the Spirit in their life so that they can live a life that they couldn't live before. That's what Paul's talking about. That in the ages to come he might show this the exceeding riches of his great of his grace and his kindness toward us again through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved, not of works. <coughs> Excuse me, I, I skipped verses. For by grace are you saved through faith, 
and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. I love that verse, that, that phrase, we are his workmanship. I started my career as a toolmaker. And I remember as an apprentice, uh, when I was at Maclaw Tool, there was this um, older gentleman who was an inspector at, at Maclaw, and he was running, it was the first time I ever seen a coordinate measuring machine. And this, this had a, a granite surface plate that was probably four foot by six foot, and, and this was just an amazing device where he would be measuring things with, with a probe that was on this, this amazing axis. And I was just, I was awestruck by this thing. And I remember I went in one day, and, and he, he and I got into a conversation about something. And this is what he said. He said, because he knew I, was, I wanted to be a toolmaker, and I was actually the last toolmaker that they had put on as an apprentice. The rest were all machinists. And he, and he said to me, he says, do you know what a toolmaker is? I thought maybe it was like a trick question. I went to Home Depot to try to get a key made, and the guy said, are they left-handed keys or right-handed keys? And I said, is there a difference? And he was just trying to trick me. He said, a toolmaker is someone who takes a piece of steel and creates the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Like, whoa, he must have really liked tool making. I would not say that. But I would say that about a woodworker. A craftsman, craftsperson, takes raw material and fashions it into something special, something amazing. We are the raw material. God himself is the craftsman. We are his workmanship. He forms us, he creates, he created us, and then he shapes us into the being he desires that we be. Each one of us very unique, very different. And then there is that scripture where it says, and God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. That might be Acts 12.8. I'm not certain of that. So he's created us and he's placed us here in this fellowship because he's creating something special with each one of us being here. That's what I love about that. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're here for a reason. We've been created with a purpose. And God already knows the purpose. He knows exactly what's happening. And we have the amazing opportunity of being part of that purpose, being lived out. Now going into 2023. And then I love how the Apostle Paul always takes you back. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circums in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time you're without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Dear ones, I pray we never forget that. I pray we never forget the reality of being lost in sin. The terror of being lost in sin. When we forget that, we forget the preciousness of the gift that was given to us. Not that we fear it, we're redeemed, but that we cherish the gift that's been given us. 
And then he goes, so he has a colon, and then he goes, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And this, one of my favorite verses, verse 14, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And that's why the second Sunday in Advent is the Advent of peace, that we might be preparing our hearts to truly embrace the reality of Christmas. Not the, and, I, and again, you, you know, I love the decorations, not the, not the decorations, not the, the, the tinsel and the light. You know I love all that. <coughs> it's not the gifts. That's wonderful. It's not the food. Love that too. But the reality of Christmas is Christ. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. That's amazing. It's so amazing that, what G, that the whole reason for this advent of peace was that we could understand that we could be at one with him. And when we are at one with him, everything else makes sense. Because the things of this earth don't matter. If I pass away, it doesn't matter. If I live to be a hundred, it doesn't matter. Because from the time that I surrendered my will to him, from the time that Holy Spirit came into my life and began to transform me and make me who he wants me to be, I am at one with him. I will be forever with him. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the entity thereby, and came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ, him, him, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. That's what this is all about. So, dear ones, let's welcome the awareness of our union with Christ. Let's relish it. You know, I was... I was, I was also reminded of the, the, the carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. I remember singing that as, as in the junior choir, and I remember my dad, because he was the director, and, and when we got to the verse, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given, you know, he made us get really, really quiet. He goes, shh, quiet, sing, sing it as softly as you can. And then we would begin to build the volume as we got to the, to the, the important part of the song. Well, I didn't know that that song was written 
not quite the mid-1800s. Uh, so, so in 1865, um, a gentleman who was the second rector of the Church of the Holy Trinity in Rittenhouse Square, which is Philadelphia, in 1865, he had the opportunity to go to Bethlehem. And there was already a chapel or some sort in, in Bethlehem on the site where they think the manger might have been. Whatever, it's Bethlehem, right? And as he was sitting through a church service on that site on Christmas Eve, he penned the words, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above the deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. O morning stars, together proclaim the holy birth and praises sing to God the King and peace to all on earth. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Same promise today. Same promise it was back in 1865 that was finally put to music, I think, in 1868 by the church organist who wanted to make sure that it was simple enough that children could sing it. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. I hope when we sing that, hopefully we'll sing it before the 17th, but we're going to sing it at least at each place we go to on the 17th. So if you want to sing it with us, let's meet at Brookdale at 3 p.m. Guaranteed to have an amazing pizza dinner at the end at Ahepa. But you know what? That's only part of the story. The Apostle Paul also told the believers in Colossae in, verse three, in chapter 3, verse 15. He said, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Jesus came. Came as a babe in Bethlehem, he grew to be a man, a sinless lamb of God that died for us, that he might be able to come into our hearts and make peace, to settle finally all of the trauma and turmoil and, and anxiety and fear that's in our hearts. Jesus did that already. But Paul was wise enough to say to the, church, to the believers in Colossae that we need to let that peace rule in our hearts. He won't force it down our throats. 
And the devil knows just what each one of us might hold on to. And he uses it against us. Because if he can cause us to be sorrowful, he gets back at God. Satan doesn't care about us. He hates God. He hates Christ. Shortly after I was converted, I struggled with so much guilt. The devil was beating me up with all kinds of things. Things that I had made restitution for. Things that I knew I had been forgiven for. And I remember one time sharing that with Brother Greg, and he said something to me that might sound really harsh. He said, do you realize that it is a sin to not let the peace of God rule in your heart? That's exactly what I needed. I needed somebody to politely slap me across my face and say, you have been redeemed. Jesus came, the Prince of Peace. He gave me peace. Now I have to let the peace rule. May the Lord have his blessing to this word.